0: We acknowledge the traditional owners of the country throughout Australia and their continuing connection to the land, sea and community. We pay our respects to them, their cultures, to their elders, both past and present. Hi, I'm Chris Stevens todd narrator and producer of Goulburn Valley Pride's limited series, Think About It, Did It exploring the lives of everyday regional LGBTIQA Victorians. They share their experiences, what it was like to grow up in a regional town, coming out as a lesbian and later trans, standing out from others, being bashed by a male football team and losing loved ones. We tackle the 40th anniversary of decriminalisation of homosexuality in Victoria and have things really changed. So come along on this journey with us. And hear what it was like for everyday queer regional Victorians to live in this world. What you may hear in some of these stories could be triggering for some people. Some stories cover self-harm, suicide, and other issues that people have gone through. If any of these things are triggering, please seek support. And don't do it alone. On this week's episode, we have Michelle. And I'm just going to let Michelle tell you why she wanted to share her story. Michelle, welcome. And what made you want to tell your story?
1: I just think it's an incredibly important space to be able to share your stories about um, living in... Rural and regional Australia, and um, belonging to the LGBTIQA plus community. And if I revamp that, say to you, I feel very much at home with the LGBTIQA plus community.
0: Michelle, you're currently living in Mansfield. Have you always lived in regional Victoria, and if not, where did you come from? Where did you spend most of your life?
1: I have lived most of my adult life in Melbourne. I lived in country Victoria for a couple of years, then I went back to Melbourne, and then I've come back to country Victoria again. So it's it's uh, not been the whole time in country Victoria, and some aspects of country Victoria have changed dramatically, and other parts haven't.
0: I guess one part of living in country Victoria... You probably didn't expect. Just the other day, we had an earthquake, um, which came from Mansfield. Um, how was that? Did you feel it? Um, I know I did here in Shepherd. And my whole house shook. So, what was it like for you?
1: Look, I've never experienced anything like it, Chris. And um, the only person I could find was the mayor. Um, this is the media, and unfortunately, they looked like that. They had their um, Apple phone up their nose, which was a bit bit sad, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, look, I think the the community were really surprised by it and certainly rattled, if that's the right word. Um, But look, all safe, no damage in a big way. People weren't hurt. You know, I just think it was a bit of a shock um, about what it was.
0: Yeah, definitely. You mentioned before you moved from Melbourne to Country of Victoria and then back to Melbourne, then back to Country of Victoria. Has it always been within the same area that you've come back to within Country of Victoria?
1: Okay, so uh, predominantly the Hume area and and in Mansfield.
0: During your time living in Mansfield and the Hume area, Michelle, did you find the community to be accepting, or was it hard for yourself and others back then?
1: Yes, it, it really was. So, if I think about the nineteen eighties, um, I was uh, I came up here for a stint. Um, that's up to Mansfield, and. Uh, people were very closed shop. Um, there was kind of a cohort of people that lived here that had been um, you know, farmers and and or um, squatters really from the old days. And I just looked different and I did different things and I spoke differently and I just didn't fit in. I also did wear some pretty wacky outfits, yeah. I have to say, Chris. I didn't have the Cobra hat, the jeans and the boots. I did wear things like tap shoes with black coloured spotty tights with red dots on them and then red shorts with black dots on them and have my hair all wild and wear boots. This is all before all that sort of look became fashionable so i was a pretty out there young person to start with i think
0: do you think you had that out there attitude dress sense and confidence to wear clothes which were different to other regional folks you know the jeans and the cobra hat as you said everyone else wore michelle because you came from melbourne
1: Oh, oh, of course I did. I probably thought I was a little bit of David Bowie or something. I don't (laughs) know. You know, or I was trying to channel my my inner inner rock and roll dude. Um, But probably, yeah.
0: What type of things did you experience from the community from being that person that stood out in Mansfield to everyone else?
1: (laughs) Well, I, I, I do remember people crossing the road when they saw me coming. Um, So that that was pretty funny Um, I also did, I mean, I also did want to fit in too Um, And and I sort of, you know, I think it was winter time when I came up the first time And so people were wearing skivvies and corduroy pants and sort of hand-knitted jumpers And I got the um, ubiquitous um, bright pink paisley um skivvy and I got a pair of you know bright orange ski pants and I got the sort of um hand-knitted cardigan that was about 22 sizes too big for Mm. me so I tried to fit in Chris I really did I just don't know what they saw in me that was any different
0: Michelle what was it like and was it hard trying to find like-minded people your people in Mansfield in the 1980s
1: Mm, not very well um Uh, Probably uh, in in Melbourne I did because I used to live in a lot of share houses in Melbourne and so share houses with a lot of women um, and all lesbian uh, share houses. And so um, we'd often go out and see bands and there was women's dances and there was, you know, lots of things that you could do and I was sort of in that space where I was very attracted to women and very attracted to men. Um, But I sort of also really didn't like the fact that um, people didn't like the fact that I was either. There was quite a lot of um, angst, I think, in the... LGBTIQA plus community at that time. You were either a lesbian or you were either heterosexual. But if you were bisexual, then that was a problem. Now, I will say, I never thought of myself as bisexual, and I don't think I ever came out as bisexual, and I don't even think I used the term bisexual. I, I think I just sort of um, had really strong sexual and emotional and physical attractions to a whole lot of different genders really um and possibly tried to work out where i might have fitted in with my own identity there so it wasn't so um forward at all oh. and and that was tricky even though there was a, it was a great scene in the it was a heady wild scene in the 80s there were lots of chemicals around and i mean the ones that you could ingest and all sorts of things And there was lots of parties and lots of bands and lots of music. So it was, yeah, it was a bit of a wild time.
0: So what made you leave Melbourne and the wild time and the parties to keep coming back to regional areas?
1: Oh, look, um, I think I have a brain that works in 200% overdrive. And there's a lot of anxiety there. And when I am out in the mountains and out in paddocks and out amongst the gum trees, so to speak I just feel a lot calmer so I know that sounds like a bit of a a crikey moment but it took me a while to work out I was just happier being in the country I, I like water you know and I like camping and I like rocks and I like trees and I liked all that stuff Having grown up in the city, I was a child that lived in Carlton, and so I really, really loved the fast-paced city too. But once I got to the country, I really loved the quietness of it as well. And you could put your record player on, full bore, you know, have it ping off the paddocks, and you no-one know, no ever told you to turn it down. So it was a bit of good fun too.
0: Michelle... I want to know what something you're passionate about, which has helped shape you who you are over the years.
1: Mm, lots of lots of lovely things, Chris. There's you know there's been a lot of angst with all of it as well, but there's been some pretty obvious things. I've um, probably done a lot more unusual overseas type things, like I've gone and um, participated in international election observing and um, travelled on my own overseas as quite a young woman. Um, And I didn't go to Europe or um, England for my first go. I sort of travelled all around Asia on my own, which was also very tricky because there's a pretty patriarchal society in some of those countries as well. Um, But really just loved the travel. I think one of the major things was that... um, I've also uh, had cancer um, a couple of times um, and it's made me sort of feel very privileged and lucky to have another go at life Um, and I don't think I'm the only person that's probably thought like that but you kind of, when you travel and you see other people's lives and you kind of go, you know what, Harmi, you're doing very, very well for yourself. You're very privileged, you know, you've had a... Education, which I paid for myself, and I didn't start my education until I was 23. Um, I haven't always had really good places to live in, and so a lot of share houses and sort of couch surfing and all sorts of stuff for a long time. But um, I sort of feel that, that, that um, those experiences have sort of shaped how I am.
0: When it comes to you, Think About It, Did It, which is the name of the podcast. Looking back at the things you experienced in the 1980s and living in regional Victoria, do you think it's changed today?
1: I think some aspects of it have radically changed in that there's a lot more people that are more accepting of people from the LGBTIQA plus community, but there's also undercurrents where you're not accepted in certain towns still. Um, I think that... In the early days, a lot of young people had to leave um, country towns to go to Melbourne to find their tribe or to study, just to go to university and study, really. Um, and so leaving home can be a big thing for people. Um, and it's not because, you you know, you're attached to your parents, but you're very attached to the community in which you've grown up in. Um, and possibly... Um, I think, yeah, I just think there's more people from Melbourne possibly living in regional Victoria now too. And for some reason, if I think about the 1980s and I think about now, there's a whole lot of technologies and different things that we can do to connect with each other that is so much more easier than what it was. Like I'm talking, if I wanted to have any conversations with people, I used to have to walk down the street and go to one of those box telephone things that stood on a pole and make a phone call. That's so different, you know, to all the communications that we've got today. So um, it's a it's a whole different world, really.
0: What about services in regional Victoria for the queer community? Have they improved a lot or are people still needing to go to Melbourne for them?
1: You know, I work in the community health sector and I think that there's some fabulous moves in the community health sector to be... Uh, rainbow inclusive and gender diverse supportive and to have access and provide navigation and one of the things that I've done in the organisation I've been working with is that the organisation's staff themselves have got the rainbow tick and that's a pretty big achievement because a lot of other organisations will use consultants or um, other people to do it from a Melbourne-centric way and then sort of transplanted you know out whereas we've done it we did it ourselves so I'm really proud of that. Um, an amazing organisation. The only one with a a gender um, service, a wraparound gender service for questioning young folk um, between the ages of about 6 and 18, and not funded, you know, that's something that people picked up on. So, I mean, that's pretty radical if you think about, you know, (laughs) what was going on in the 1980s.
0: We're celebrating 40 years which the Victorian government in Australia decriminalised homosexuality. What was that like when that came through? Was it a moment people knew change was coming?
1: Um, I do remember that moment, um, but I don't remember that moment in a conscious political way. Um, How I remember that moment is um, I grew up in a family where I have other members of my family that um, had come out as uh, lesbian or gay and i 've got young parents, and those members, so you know could always come to our house. so I was always used to seeing girls holding girls hands and things like that and My mum and dad, because they were young, I think they were quite accepting of that, and i I just thought it was kind of like what you did if you wanted to be with a girl you were, and if you wanted to be with a boy, you could or i didn 't realize that it was actually seen as you know, unacceptable until I got quite a bit older. So in the 1980s, I was 21. And um, I just remember I'd organised a holiday for myself up to Byron Bay before Byron Bay became fashionable. And I walk up into the Blue Mountains and I was on my own. And the train stopped through at um, Central up in Sydney. And I found out that the, um, the Mardi Gras, you know, was on, um, but I'd already booked my ticket sort of further Um, and I was really excited about it except that we all know that even though in Victoria homosexuality was decriminalised that took a long time for other states to sort of come on board and really plan things through so even though it was decriminalised in Victoria which was a good thing I still think people had it really tough you Mm. know yeah
0: yeah did you ever see any police brutality? living regionally
1: Uh, yes I'm just trying to think of how to put this so it's more that stuff about um hassling people if they know um where you lived at the time and or they hassled you about well I think I think young people get hassled by cops anyway they're a bit of a target um and so if you were a young person and you lived, lived in a, you know, a fairly out there life, there was a lot for the police to have a think about what what they might be after with you. And I also think that they use young people a lot as, a bit, you know, kind of guinea pigs really to hone up their police skills. Um, and I probably saw and heard more about police harassment um, in Melbourne, to be honest, uh, you know there was the women's dances at St Mark's Hall in Fitzroy, and um, the cops used to just sit out the side there in their cars and watch women come out and girls, and they'd follow you, and you know it wasn't it wasn't always that easy. So, and I, you know friends, uh, male friends of mine um, that would be doing the beats, you know they'd be they'd talk about how cops would set themselves up. To them, you know, that sort of stuff. So not nice, really.
0: Do you think 40 years later that's improved at all?
1: I'd like to think so. Um, I haven't seen it so obviously. So I think um, with the glows, uh, the and I think they've just changed their names more recently, but officers that are more committed to working with the LGBTIQI community, but also around, um, it's the law and the legal aspects of that as well, you know, around harassment and intimidation.
0: We have a lot to thank our elders for, the change we have today, as it was tough for them, and a lot of them stood up, helped make that change that we have today. Do you ever stop and think, I was a part of that change and movement?
1: Oh, Chris, that's a big question. Um, I'd like to be able to say to you absolutely yes, but I think I would feel like an imposter if I said that. I don't think I was an out there consciously strong activist. Uh, You know, I just wasn't. in those young days, at all, um, probably got more political and more had more consciousness raising as I've got older and older and older and older, and felt more comfortable about who I am and who I'm not, and where I want to be and who I want to be with, and um, you know, I I lived in share houses right throughout the whole um, AIDS epidemic in in Melbourne and. Had some really beautiful friends die. Um, you know that was just such a sad time um, for so many people um, to lose so many lovely friends, and had some women friends that were HIV positive as well. Um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, it's not so straightforward. Yep. So I don't, I don't think I was a trailblazer like I think of the seventy eighters, and I just think how amazing like that day
0: Elders. Well, you're definitely a pioneer now in championing <laughs> for people's <laughs> rights, and and definitely out there um, doing a lot of great stuff, from what I know of you. Yeah, um, thank you. So, if you didn't feel you were doing it when you were younger, you're definitely doing your share out. <laughs>
1: you reckon I'm making it up? i making it up for myself now. Um, I just feel so at home with the LGBTIQA community, and always have Chris. And it it took me a long time to work out, you know, this whole idea of bisexuality, because when I had had relationships with women. Uh, some women that I'd been with were, were really angry that um, that I wasn't. Uh, you, you know, they just wanted a lesbian relationship, and yeah, no, That and I had uh, quite a bit of abuse in some instances, some of that lateral violence, um, mm. and um, it's not pleasant, and no one likes to talk about it, but it was certainly around. Um, so it's the elephant in the room, and I just really hope that people learning to be a lot more respectful about the relationships that they're in whether it's a heterosexual relationship or a diverse gender relationship or you know the people are a lot more caring and and open and relaxed so yeah that would be a great thing
0: we're almost at the end of our time together i guess i want to know is there anything else you want to share
1: really really do enjoy being uh with um other people in you know. a in a social way and I find diversity um, really exciting and I find people um, have got beautiful connections and um, I just think it's really good Uh, we're we're living in some pretty tough times that are going to go down in history so it'll be interesting to see how we come out of it at the other end and I'd like to think that there might be a review or rethink about what's really important in our lives and relationships with people, I'm hoping, will come out of that. Now, whether that's just being really aware and kind to your neighbours or whether that's, you know, supporting and advocating for somebody that's really being treated badly, that sort of radical friendships. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've got friends that um, are from the called community. I've got Aboriginal friends and relatives. I've got... um, LGBTI friends and relatives, and I don't know, I just sort of think about all that sort of stuff around that, the intersectionality, and maybe as we get older, I'd like to see ageism abolished somehow, and that people can live, you know, their authentic selves and be accepted for who they are.
0: Coming back to the concept, think about it, did it. You've got many years ahead of you still. Um, You've done a lot, but there's still more for you to do, so... What do you think is next on the agenda that needs to be done?
1: Well, I'm a bit of a hands-on person. So things like um, access to work and employment um, and transport, but certainly access to good um, LGBTI um, mental health services and um, supportive uh, GPs and, and doctors, um, especially when I think about my trans and gender Diverse families, I'd like to know that they're being treated well and that they could have access to, um, you know, hormones and to be able to uh, move from the from the gender that they were to the gender they want to be without it being such a huge struggle um, financially and, you know, where the services are and that they could be accepted and that... The, the services that could do it here would do it here a lot a lot more easily i think that the move to put the transgender diverse services say up at ballarat was a great one That if we could have that replicate and i'd really like to see more um, organizations think about um actively recruiting um people from trans and gender diverse communities and um, have them working uh, and that that visibility is just part of the workforce um, and that people are are, um, respected and celebrated for that.
0: Well thank you so much Michelle for being here and sharing your story with us I've known you for a while now and I know I've certainly learned some new stuff about yourself incredible work that you continue to do and hopefully once COVID settles down we can all catch up and do something in person once again so thank you very much.
1: Thanks for your time. Thank you. Good luck with it. Bye bye.
0: That's it for this episode of Think About It, Did It. Join us on the next episode and please remember if anything you heard has caused any distress, please seek support. I'm Chris Stevens Todd. Till next time.